today, if you've got a Bible there, is found on page 1160 and it comes from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 and I'm reading through to verse 21. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Technology's failed us, so I'm going to just uh, pray and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word and we thank you uh, that we can now uh, consider what the purpose of our life is about. Amen. When it comes to um, the purpose of life, The video I was going to show you, if you write this down, um, thinkingseries.com, it's a a Canadian uh, apologetics uh, website and they do all these great videos and uh, series on thinking about life with God. And this guy walks through, he's an outdoorsman, something I'm totally not, I don't do the outdoors like that. I play sport but I don't bushwalk, I don't ride my... um, BMX bikes down hills and up and climb big mountains. But he's doing this, and as he's talking, he's thinking, I'd love to think about the purpose of life. I'd love to know what the purpose of life is. And there's moments when I feel like I get it. When I'm seeking to achieve something and I get there, I get to that mountain that I'm trying to reach to, and I'm sitting on the top of the mountain, and I feel like there's purpose life. I feel like there's something that I've achieved. But then just like that, that purpose has disappeared and you're back down in the valley again, thinking, what's life all about? Now, I can't relate to seeking purpose in climbing a mountain. I don't know if you like climbing a mountain. But what I can relate to is when something good happens, 
the moment afterwards thinking, oh, now it's over. And I'm back kind of in the valley again, thinking about what's life all about? What is the purpose? You see, purpose for life, meaning for life, it could be just what we choose it to be. It could be liking the outdoors. It could be your career. It could be your family. You know, one of our purposes as a family is movie night. We love movie night. Anyone want to guess what movie night was yesterday? (laughs) Absolutely. It come out, digital versions out. We may have got it the first day it released and we watched it all as a family. Is that purpose? To enjoy family time? Is it just your happiness? Is it not having trouble in your life? Is it the sport that you love, achieving your goals? All this purpose, but you do kind of end up in the valley again, thinking, is that it? Today, the question to consider is, what if God has made a particular purpose that is not in the eye of the beholder? That is, you don't determine the purpose. What if, what if God, the giver of life, sets the agenda for the purpose of your life? I think that's what my goal is for us today, is to see that. Because I think imagining a world without purpose is something we don't want to do or dare not do for a long time because we just spiral down into sadness. Sometimes it can spiral down into being uh, unwell and depression, anxiety, when they feel like there's this emptiness to life. But what if we don't have to imagine? And what if God's purpose is greater? Well, that's what we're going to do today and we'll see that there's four things that I want to draw out but before we do that, the question we need to ask is, as it comes up on the screen, is what has Easter got to do with purpose? What's it got to do with it? Well, quite simply, I can answer this in one word for you, everything. That's it, we can just move on, everything. Your whole purpose has to do with Easter that we've just gone through. But I think it's probably more helpful to give you a bit more detail than that. So I want you to see why Easter gives you, um, has everything to do with your meaning in life. And we see that in the passage that uh, Karen read for us today in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. In verses 14 to 15, we'll get to 14 uh, in a moment. But let's read 14 and 15 together and see the context of this great passage. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again oh sorry about that so you see on the screen there and and that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him it's interesting isn't it Jesus is saying that all, he died for all, that you don't live for yourself, but for God. The perspective is a flipping around of what every single other purpose that we try and come up with is about. 
See, the purpose is about living for someone that's not yourself and it's actually for the Creator and Lord of all. It's a flipping around of the way that we think about our meaning and it's a struggle to do that because it's kind of the opposite to the uh, aeroplane principle. What do you have to do in case of an emergency in an aeroplane? You've got to put the mask on yourself first before you can help someone else. Your actual bigger purpose in life isn't to look after yourself first, it's to actually live for God first. And everything works out that way. See, God made us with the purpose of relationships, living for Him. But notice the contrast, and I think it's amazing that this was written so many years ago and it speaks so truly into our culture right here in Australia, in South Australia, in Adelaide, in Golden Grove. Should no longer live for themselves. It's not that that's an option, that's what you do. You live for yourself. And that contrast is to say, that's not the option anymore. The purpose of life is not what I want that I determine on my agenda, the me world culture that we live in, it's to see, I now forget that and live for God. And if you're, if you're not a Christian here today, you're thinking, this is wild to say that. And my response to you, if you feel like that, is to say, yes, it is, absolutely. That is what the Christian purpose is all about. A totally radical view on the meaning of your life. Everything is turned upside down. And what has Easter got to do with purpose for my life? Because it ends with, in verse 15, you can see it on the screen, who died for them and was raised again. It's because He died for you and He's conquered death that you live for Him because He's given you life. If that didn't happen, the death to pay for your sins and the resurrection that conquers death and gives you life so you can be risen, if that doesn't happen, there's no purpose. The way God wants us to have purpose. You may as well go on and choose what you want to do and then it's going to end that you had something for a little while. We have purpose in life because of what Jesus has done. And that's why Easter is so at the heart of thinking about it. And so if you're going to live for God, this means, it means four things. You can see it on the outline there, um, in the booklets on page five, um, there's four things. And what I want us to do just for the rest of the time is I want to kind of draw out a bit further what living for God looks like from four perspectives that we see in this passage. It means you have a new motivation. It means you're a new person. It means you have a new task and it means the first one, which we're going to talk about last, a relationship with God. So let's look at these and as we do it, what I want us to do today is I want us to consider how are you going to be shaped by this? What changes in your life if you're going to have God's purpose? So the first one is, I have motivation for life. Let's have a look. You see, the purpose of your heart, what drives you, what you're passionate about, is in this passage. It's very much at the heart of how we started this church. It's why it's on, uh, on the um, banner over there. Christ's love compels us. And we see that in verse 14 on the screen. Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. 
It's saying Jesus has died so that we might die, unless Jesus returns first, but not that death, our spiritual death has happened in Jesus. So in that sense, we have died, therefore all died. So you can have life. We can be convinced that Jesus has died for all of us. And that means you're being compelled by that sacrificial love. I love the idea of being compelled. Uh, you know, sometimes that idea of being compelled, in, uh, in some translations, has it as Christ's love controls us. Now, we have baggage with the word control, which maybe it's not as helpful, but the whole idea of control is that there's nothing else that you can be guided by. And that's really helpful. Jesus' love, his sacrifice, guides everything you do. You can't do anything else beside it. That's what Paul's trying to explain to the Corinthians here, is why they do what they do, which in you know, 11 uh, to 13, they're persuading of others and talking the way they do, going around and proclaiming the gospel. They do it because they're compelled. They have no other controlling factors in their life. This is their passion. I have lots of compulsions in my life. I wake up in the morning and I kind of somehow end up at the coffee machine. It just happens every morning. It's a bit of a challenge because the coffee machine is in, in my office and with my in-laws here this week and it's right next to them. I could make one at 7 o'clock in the morning and pour the coffee all over Gary and that would have been awkward. So I, I had to kind of wait. I have the compulsion to yell at the TV when my sporting teams are playing and that compulsion gets louder when I watch it with the Roys. I play golf. I have the compulsion when I'm outside to end up at a golf course because I love playing it. Now, I'm sure you can come up with your own little things that you love to do that you end up because you're compelled to do them. But there are some that are more bigger and grander and important. I had the compulsion to marry Jen because I knew that was the person that I should marry and that I loved her dearly and I was pretty sure, hoping, fingers crossed, that that was reciprocated. I had to do it. I had to ask her to marry him. I was compelled by it. This is what we're seeing here about the purpose of life. Christ's love compels you in your actions and life. You have a motivating factor that shapes who you are and it's his sacrifice on the cross for you, that giving love, that's undeserved love. And so I asked you today, what are your motivations in life? For your actions, is it selfishness, fear, insecurity and ambitions? They kind of all meld in together to shape what we do and how we go about it. I think every single one of those at some point I might struggle with. Or do we seek to lay them aside for the motivation of Christ's love compelling us? See, it means we are passionate thinking about his sacrifice for us. The example of that is us here today, Trinity Grove. Being part of Trinity Grove, I hope, is because you want to be compelled by Christ's love. When we started, we had a few people thinking that it's a good idea going from Trinity Northeast. It was because we wanted people to hear about Jesus. We're compelled by that love. We want to express that more and we do it well sometimes and not well other times. And as people come and just loving church so far been so, so encouraging and fantastic 
this is our heart. That's the example that we want to continue to express. So secondly, if this is your motivation, it's not just something that stays in, yeah, I like that, that's what's going to motivate me, it changes you. And it changes you because you have been changed already. You become a new person. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. See, you don't have a new motivation without having that change you. Jesus changes you. You have been saved by Him. The new creation has come. It's not fulfilled. It's not completely consummated. But it has come. And notice, it's come that the old has been replaced. That is, the old, verse 15, should no longer live for themselves. That way, gone. It's been replaced with living for God. That's the new creation, living His way. Let me ask you, what new things do you love? Not a rhetorical question, yell out a new thing that you love. What, something that's new, a new technology, something that you've got that's brand new. What is it that, have you got anything that you've liked? Netflix, Netflix has changed everything, hasn't it? <laughs> do you want to answer again, Greg? No? No, baby? No, you got to stick with Netflix. Okay, good, excellent. <laughs> I think, I, you know, when mobile phones have changed everything in my life, I remember from when I started a Bible college and I had this bulky flipping phone that kind of could send text messages, but with my fingers and my unconus, they were all very confusing and some of you still know that sometimes my text messages are confusing. But the technology that we can do and, and the things that we do on our phones, it's just insane. Love new things. Here we're seeing, we're the new thing. And the new thing is, we are becoming more and more like Jesus, in Christ. So we replace the old. And so let me ask you, if you want purpose in life, it means that you're to be new. How are you actively bringing in the new and ridding your selfishness? Ridding the old. Which of my old ways do I find hardest to let go? Let me just for a moment, be a little bit honest with you about the experience of church planting. I realised, I realised, um, I, I do like, I think it's anyone who's kind of in charge of anything, they, you have a sense of liking to be in control. It's kind of part of the needing to run things. But when you're an assistant pastor, you're not ultimately in control. And you, you've got lots of responsibilities and you're passionate about caring for people and lots of responsibilities. But what I've discovered in the last four weeks of starting a church is that I do have a bit of a problem with control and I need to let go because now I'm in charge. And it's like, now I'm in charge, it's got to be done. My, no, no, it doesn't need to be done. My, and I've, it's blown my head out a bit and I think this is very pertinent for me. What, what is it for you? Could it be bitterness? Could it be anger? Could it be you just get so frustrated with other people because they don't do things right? And which of God's ways do you ignore? Do you put a limit on caring? I don't think Jesus did. When we hear about Christ's love compelling us, I don't think there was a limit. So that's the next one to consider for your purpose in life. See, not only do we have a motivating factor, Christ's love compelling us, and that we're a new creation, we have a new task. We have been given 
a task. Look at verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Ambassador. Representative. We are God's, the Lord of all, the creator of all things, the one who has given us life. He's given us the job of representing him. I just, I find that an extraordinary privilege. This week as I was considering it, that's the thing that I couldn't get past. That God has decided to give us that role, to be representative of him. What's the representative of? Well, that's mentioned just before, 18 to 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We represent God by telling people, you have a problem with him and he's going to reconcile you. Trust in Jesus. He doesn't want to count your sins on you. He wants to count them on his son who's died for you. And we are being told your purpose in life is to represent, represent him in sharing that ministry. I think that's what we, what, why we want to support the Rose. They want to be ambassadors in a part of the world which is so foreign to my headspace, just even seeing that short little clip. I don't, so different. But they want to represent Jesus so that the people living there can represent it to others who need to be reconciled. If we want to be ambassadors, we dearly want to support them. We dearly want to partner them. We actually want to be ambassadors here. You see, reconciliation is about understanding that God wants relationship, not broken relationship. And He sorts it so it can be possible. And He's given us that ministry. So, purpose is to be part, is your purpose to be part of sharing a message, is my question. See, if you come to Trinity Grove, you will hear time and time again that we should tell people about Jesus. Now, your response can be, here we go again, Christian evangelical church is talking about need to share Jesus. Here we go again, the church is obsessed with evangelism. Or, as we open up the Bible, we find out, oh, that's actually the Bible's message. And when we open it up, as we will do starting next week, we will, we will be looking at Mark for 11, uh, 12 weeks. We're going to be doing a series on Mark on Sundays and we're going to be seeing Jesus, getting to know Jesus and we're going to be seeing that's what it's all about. <laughs> As Jesus come, it's about Him coming to give life and have purpose in Him. That's why one-to-one Bible reading we think is so important with others. We want to share, we want to be ambassadors to others who don't know, who've got no access to the Bible. We want to be ambassadors to each other and remind each other of God's Word. Are you passionate about being an ambassador or do you put that in the basket of, that's just kind of for Christians who are really kind of keen? Because I think it's actually in the core of the heart of any Christian. I think that's what this passage is drawing us to. 
So lastly, as we get to all of this big passage, which just highlights to us with such grandeur our purpose in life, if you follow Jesus. We come back to where it all starts in a way. I've, I've said there that it's, I've been reconciled to reconcile. That is to say, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We share that ministry. But actually, before we do that, we need to remember that God reconciles us. So look at the second part of verse 20. I love the simplicity of that uh, little phrase, that little verse. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul is saying we're Christ's ambassadors. We tell people that Jesus wants them to have a relationship with him. And then he just does it. He says, we implore you. We are desperate for you to know. We really want you to see that Jesus wants something for your life. A relationship with him. Be reconciled to God. Another way to put it is, don't be an enemy of God. Don't be one who is in conflict with God, even if it is by omission, by ignoring him. See, this is the answer to the question when you're in the valley wondering about what the purpose of life is. The one who has given life for all eternity is saying, I want you there with me. When you don't understand what's going on in this world, here is your purpose. Be reconciled to me. And so today, quite simply, I want to ask you, are you reconciled to God? We see in verse 21, quite clearly what Jesus has done so that you can be. God made him, made Jesus, who had no sin. He was perfect, never did anything wrong to be sin for us. That is, he took on the punishment of our sin on the cross. So that in him, in relationship with him, as we accept the cross and what he has done for us, we become the righteousness of God. We go from not reconciled, out of relationship, who has our sin on ourselves, to being seen by God as the righteousness of God. Him making us right. The purpose that you have for your life is to see that God is saying, I want you to have a relationship with me forever. Yes or no? Do you trust that he gives you that relationship or is it a pipe dream? It's possible today that you see that that's what purpose is about. You don't need to then earn God's favour to get this reconciliation because we don't have a ministry of reconciliation which means we have to do all this stuff. We have a message which tells people about how God has done it all in Jesus. So if you want to be reconciled with God, it's seeing what Jesus has done and trusting in that and acknowledging that you need it 
If you do that today, you now have your purpose. The purpose that we were all made for. As I finish, I really think that we dislike feeling, we dislike feeling of not having any purpose in our life. I hate those moments when it just seems like, what's the point? Do you? I hate those moments. We dislike feeling as if the world has no purpose because God has made us to have purpose. That inclination to think there's got to be something more is because God has made us that way. Imagining a world without purpose goes counterintuitive to what God has done in making us in His image and then reconciling us. We are built for meaning. The question is, do you want to find purpose in whatever you choose and accept that you'll be in the valley again and you'll disappear? Or do you want to find purpose in your life that lasts into eternity the way it's supposed to be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's with great joy and delight we can see the magnitude of how you've made us and what you've made us for. Spectacular to think that you have not left us wondering, wondering what life's about. Instead, you have given us a purpose in your Son. Well, wherever we are at today, Lord, Help us to consider whether we seek to live for you because of what your son's done. Let us be shaped by Christ's love. Let it compel us here at Trinity Grove. Father, we pray that we'll be ambassadors, that we'll represent you wherever we are, that we won't forget what you've done for us. Father, we pray that will embrace being reconciled to you by your Son and that if there's any of us who want to consider that, that we will be a people who love to share what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.